Good morning, everyone. Welcome to LifeBridge Online. I'm Pastor Bruce, and uh, I'm so glad, once again, you are watching online here this morning. And if this is your first time to watch online, or maybe you're not part of our LifeBridge family, I want you to know you are welcome, and we are so thankful that you're watching here. And really allow me to come into your home or wherever you may be watching to share the truth and hope and really the good news of God's Word through this live stream. And in fact, if you're watching for the first time or, or maybe you're not part of our church family, we'd love to know who you are. You can let us know that by filling out the online connection card. And we would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes to do that. You'll find it right there in the comment section. Uh, on the live stream, and so please do that. And, uh, and for all of you who are watching, if you have a prayer need, we'd love the opportunity to, to pray with you, pray for you, and so uh, you can fill out your prayer need, uh, or maybe you just need some help taking next steps in your spiritual journey. Again, utilize the prayer card that's there online and uh, fill that out, and uh, we're here to serve you, and we want you to know that. And like I say every Sunday, we want to encourage you to like and especially to share out this live stream with your friends. And it's just a great opportunity for us to spread the hope of God's Word, the truth of God's Word to people that is beyond even perhaps our church family. So be sure to hit the like button and share this out. And of course, I'm sure most of you are already aware of the news that came out Thursday about midday. And I am super excited. I'm so grateful for Mayor Lucas and how he has initiated the next phase of reopening our city here in Kansas City. And that next phase of reopening really allows specifically uh, in regards to our church, it allows us to... Um, gather in person at now 50% building occupancy, which was prior to that uh, 10%, which is why we're still doing the live stream and not meeting. But now that we can gather together with 50% occupancy, man, I'm just uh, with great joy, I'm excited to announce that LifeBridge will once again regather in person for worship services beginning Sunday, June 14th. And we will do that with two services, one at 9.30 a.m. and then the other one at 11 a.m. And the reason for that is due to the social distancing requirement that is still in place under the emergency order of Kansas City. And so uh, to allow for enough space, enough room in our auditorium, we need to have two services. And, uh, and so more information will be coming out this week. Look for that information in the mail and also online on our website, wearelifebridge.com. And we're just excited to be able to uh, announce that. I can't wait to gather with you again in person, see you in person, face-to-face, and uh, gather together as a church family. And although we won't be together all at once, uh, but we, it'll still be awesome to be together in two different services, one at 9.30 and one at 11 o'clock. And at the same time, for those who don't feel comfortable yet meeting, uh, and for various reasons, we understand that. We want you to know that we will still provide an online service uh, at 11 a.m. for you to watch uh, the worship service. And so we want to make that clear as well. And, uh, and so I'm also excited to be able to uh, welcome back 
uh, John Mag. He's going to be coming back and providing some music again. And so we're excited once again to have music this Sunday morning and to welcome back John Mag. And so right there in your home, why don't you, you know, give it up for John. You know, you can give a little praise and shout. And uh, so, John, come on up and uh, bless us with some music here this morning. Thank you, Bruce. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. Coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break, as broken hearts declare His praise. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, Lion and lamb. Open up the gates. So open up the gates. Make a way before the King of Kings. Our God who calls the saved is here to set the captives free. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before you. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Who can stop the Yeah. 
is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the Lion and the start on the outside the outside looking in this is where grace begins we were hungry we were thirsty with nothing left to give oh the shape that we were in and just when all hope seemed lost Love opened the door for us. He said, come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table Come meet this motley crew of misfits These liars and these thieves There's no one unwelcome here And that sin and shame that you brought with you You can leave it at the door let mercy draw you near. Come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table. To the table To the thief and to the doubter To the hero and the coward To the prisoner and the soldier To the young and to the older All who hunger, all who thirst All the last and all the first all the paupers and the princes, all who fail, you've been forgiven. All who dream and all who suffer, all who've loved and lost another, all the chained and all the free, all who follow, all who lead, anyone who's been let down, all the lost you haven't been found, all who were labeled a right or wrong. Come to the table 
from the sinners you've been reaching. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. And come to the table. Come to the table. Come to the table. Amen, man. Thank you, John, so much for that song, Come to the Table. That is exactly what we're going to see today in our passage as we continue in our series here in the book of Ruth. And so I hope you have your Bibles. Reach for them and open them up to Ruth chapter 2, verses 14 through 23. And that's what this passage is really all about, is coming to the table. And so let's read it, let's look at it, let's dive right into it. Ruth chapter 2, verses 14 through 23, look what it says. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread, and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law, what she had gleaned, she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, This man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Will you bow your heads with me? Even where you're... Sitting at home, let's go to the Lord at prayer and ask God to meet with us in a special way here this morning. Heavenly Father, we do approach you. We thank you that we can. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the story of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi and just the truth that uh, comes from it and how it applies to our own lives that we can come to the table, the Lord's table, We can come freely because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us to see uh, how accepted and welcome we are when we come to your table. The forgiveness of sins that is offered, the satisfaction that is offered there, 
Lord, help us to evaluate our own lives, our own relationship with you. Help us to see ourselves in this story this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, like most people, I'm sure that you have a table either in your kitchen or in your dining room. So here's the question. How many of you actually use your table to eat together as a family? Now, perhaps one of the uh, benefits, maybe unexpected benefits, of the stay-at-home orders we've been under due to this coronavirus here is maybe your family has started eating together as a family at the kitchen table or dining table. Instead of eating your supper or lunch in front of the TV and maybe at different times as a family. And so maybe that's been a side of benefit you've been experiencing, and that's a good thing. When your family gathers around the table to eat, how many of you, though, have a place for each person in the family? If you do, that's good. Because that means nobody in the family is left out. That means everybody in the family has a place at the table, and it communicates that everyone is part of the family. Now, in our family... Everyone not only has a place at the table, but everyone also has a set place where they sit at the table. And you don't sit in someone else's place. For example, Jack should not sit in my place. Tyler doesn't sit in his mother's place. That is when Tyler was still living at home. We all had our set places where we sat together at a table. And then when you invite friends over for dinner, what do you do? You treat them like family, and you make sure they have a place at the table. And if you invite several friends over for dinner, you make the table even bigger, and you put more chairs around the table. You may even set up an extra table. Why? So everyone has a place at the table. So here's the question. Do you have a place at the Lord's table? As we continue in this series here in the book of Ruth, I want you to see that you are invited to the Lord's table. I want you to see something about the amazing grace of God. And that is you have been invited to dine at the Lord's table. And we see this when Boaz invited Ruth to dine with him and his workers after gleaning all morning in the fields. Look again what it says in verses 2 Verse chapter 2, verse 14, he says, And at mealtime Boaz said to her, that is Ruth, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. Now this is an invitation by Boaz, and it is symbolic, really, of the invitation that Jesus gives to all of us to dine with him at his table. Now, couple of observations we ought to make, though, about Jesus' invitation to dine. In fact, you can read several examples of it, uh, such as in the book of Luke, there in verse ch- chapter 14, in verses 14, 15 through 24 is one example of that. And what we find, in fact, let's go ahead and even open our Bibles to that. I want to read it for us in Luke chapter 14. And we see this example of Jesus inviting us to dine with him at his table. Where in Luke 14, verses 15, he says, When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to them, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. 
but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And so the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So just a quickly, a couple of observations about this particular story here that Jesus tells this parable is that Jesus invites everyone to dine with him at his table. But the second observation we see here is not everyone will come to dine with him at his table. So again, the question is asked, do you have a place at the Lord's table? You are certainly invited to come. In God's amazing grace, you have been invited to dine at the Lord's table. Now, going back to our story of Ruth here with Boaz... What happens when Ruth dines with Boaz at his table is really a vivid picture of what happens when we accept God's invitation to dine with him at his table. So what happens when you accept that invitation? What does it look like? What does it mean? Well, taking the story of Ruth dining at Boaz's table, I want to unfold this for us. I want to show you the impact of this and what it means for us even personally today. And so notice what happens when you come to the Lord's table. Number one, you will enjoy God's abundant grace. Now, during barley harvest, it was common in Boaz's day for men to set up this sort of temporary quarters in their fields. And so, if you can picture it, there in the middle of the day, all the workers would be fed and any gleaners who were invited to join them. That is the picture we have before us here in Luke chapter 2. By the Though the way I picture it, Boaz is having a barbecue with his workers. I can almost smell the roasted lamb and and see the smoke rising in the sky, kind of like what you might see at the American Royal Barbecue. And I know it says they ate bread and roasted grain, but that's what I see is roasted lamb. And then Boaz does something that can only be explained by grace. He actually invites Ruth an outsider to join him and to join his workers for lunch. In other words, to dine at his table. Boaz encouraged Ruth to sit beside the workers, which was a place of respect. He even invites her to dip her bread in the sauce or the wine, which is a symbol of intimacy. He even served Ruth the roasted grain, showing humility on him, upon himself. And so it is amazing what we have here before us, that Boaz would allow Ruth to drink water alongside his workers. That's shocking in itself. But now he actually welcomes Ruth the Moabite to his table. Not only does he find Ruth, 
Not only does he welcome Ruth, not only does he protect Ruth, but now Boaz goes one step further. He says to her, Ruth, you can sit at the table and you can eat with my men. Here's, my, here's a place at the table for you. Eat all the roasted lamb and grain you want. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us today? Well, Boaz is a picture of Jesus Christ in a lot of different ways. And the grace that we enjoy when we come to the Lord's table for our own salvation. And when we come to the Lord's table for our salvation, what we find is abundant grace. And notice the grace that we will enjoy. Let me just draw out two implications of this. First of all, the Lord will graciously accept you. He will graciously accept you and welcome you. Do you remember what Ruth said when she committed to turn from her false gods and to trust in the one true living God? She told Naomi back in chapter 1, verse 6, Your people, Naomi, shall be my people, and your God, Naomi, will be my God. So for the first time in her life, Ruth has found hope. She has found a new God, the one true living God to worship. She has found new people to love. However, there was one great obstacle standing in the way. And unless it was dealt with, Ruth could never have a place at the table among God's people. You see, Ruth was a Moabite, which could prevent her from being accepted or welcomed at the table with God's people. In fact, the writer of the book of Ruth seems to emphasize this repeatedly throughout the book of Ruth, that this problem of Ruth is mentioned over and over again. Ruth is referred to as Ruth the Moabite a couple of different times. She's also referred to as the young Moabite woman. Now, why is this such a problem? Because God said in his law, in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3, that a Moabite or an Ammonite shall not come into the congregation of the Lord, not to the tenth generation. And so this is a huge obstacle standing in the way for Ruth. What's her hope? What is she to do? What can she do? She wants to be part of God's people. She wants to enjoy community with God's people. In other words, Ruth wants to dine at the table. But the law says she cannot dine at the table with God's people. Why? Because of what Ruth was by birth. She was a Moabite. See, Moab was in her blood, and therein lay the problem. Do you realize what this means? Ruth, one great obstacle is the same one great obstacle standing in our way of dining at the Lord's table too. You see, our sinful nature is what prevents us from enjoying full communion with God at his table. Our sin prevents our access into God's presence. We are sinners by birth as well as by practice or choice. We have more of Moab in us than we care to admit. So what is Ruth to do? After all, she had proclaimed, remember, I want to dine at the Lord's table with the Lord's people. But God's law here, that is the law Moses says, you cannot sit at the Lord's table because you are a Moabite. 
But here's the most amazing part of all. The same law which forbade Ruth from entering the congregation of the Lord also made a provision for her to join the congregation of the Lord. While Deuteronomy chapter 23 spells out the reasons why she's excluded, Deuteronomy chapter 24 opens a door of grace for Ruth to come in through God's provision of feeding the poor, the fatherless, and the stranger. So what does this mean for us? Well, the same law that says the wages of sin is death and keeps us from enjoying the blessings of God's salvation has been fulfilled for us by Jesus Christ. Listen, due to our sin, we are excluded from dining at the Lord's table with the Lord's people. But in Christ and through his death on the cross and his resurrection, God has upheld his law. By grace, our sin debt has now been paid. Jesus has taken our place on the cross. In fact, in the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He, that is Jesus Christ, he was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This means that the same law that keeps us out has also provided a way of bringing us in. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. It says, The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent His own Son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit dwelling within us by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that's amazing grace. That is abundant grace. God's grace has overcome the one great obstacle standing in our way of dining at the Lord's table. And so now when you come to Jesus Christ... You have a place at the Lord's table as a member of the Lord's family. But remember, you must come by faith. You must come by faith in Jesus Christ. Remember what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so... When you come through faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord will graciously accept you as a member of his family. In other words, you now have a place at the Lord's table. And that's why Boaz invited Ruth to dine with him. She has turned or repented from her false gods. And she's now put her faith in the one true God. So now, although Ruth understands herself to be a foreigner, a stranger, an alien, Boaz now accepts her as a member of God's family and actually gives her a place at his table out in the fields. Boaz even treats Ruth, get this, like a member of his own family when he calls her, my daughter. And this is exactly 
how God treats us. When we come to Him through faith, He no longer treats us as sinners. But He accepts us and welcomes us and adopts us as sons and daughters who have a place at the Lord's table. So when we come to the Lord's table through faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord will not only accept you and welcome you as part of His family, but the Lord will graciously satisfy you. And here we see what grace looks like up close and personal. Look what it says in verse 14 here in Ruth chapter 2. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. And so she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. Now, this is probably the best meal Ruth has had in quite some time. So she ate until she was satisfied. Now, that is a great word. We love the word satisfied. In fact, satisfied means that you want nothing more and you need nothing more. And when it comes to food, all of us understand what it means to eat until you're satisfied. Now, during this lockdown, as you might know, uh, you know, restaurants were closed. We hadn't been able to go out to eat for several, several weeks. And so when restaurants started to open back up about three weeks ago, my wife and I and my son Jack and his girlfriend, we could not wait to go out to eat and specifically for some barbecue, because we hadn't had barbecue in almost three months, and we were missing it. And so we were like, well, what barbecue place is open? And one of the first ones to open up was Smoking Guns right down here in North Kansas City. And so I called them up, hey, is your dining room open? Yes, we're serving. So we drove down there on a Friday night, and we got barbecue at Smoking Guns. And let me tell you, we're sitting there, we're ordering our, our, our sandwiches and the sides, and I asked Jack, Jack, do you, do you want a slab of ribs too? And his face just lit up. His eyes got big. Yeah, Dad, you bet. And so we ordered a slab of ribs. And let me tell you, we feasted until we were satisfied. In fact, we had so much food, we actually took food home. We know what it means to be satisfied. And that is God's promise when you come to the Lord's table. He will graciously satisfy you. And so often, we try to satisfy our needs in other places, though, don't we? We look to the world. We might look to money. We might look to people. We might look to relationships. We look to pleasure and possessions and positions. But none of those things will truly satisfy you. Listen, lasting satisfaction is only found in Jesus Christ. Think about it. Jesus is all sufficient. Nothing can be added to him, and we dare not detract anything from him. So that all we need, all we long for, all we desire and crave is found in Christ. And so when you come to the table, the Lord will not only satisfy you, but he will exceed your expectations. And I just love what Boaz did for Ruth. And remember, Boaz is a picture of Christ. Notice what it says in verses 15 and 16. When she arose, that is Ruth, rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. 
Now, the law of Moses said to leave the corners of the fields unharvested. Why? So that the needy could glean those parts of the field. But Boaz does something radical here. He fulfills the law of Moses and then some. Boaz actually shows Ruth what we could call this above and beyond grace. What was the result of all this grace on Ruth? Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Now, how much is that? Well, I don't really know because I'm not a farmer, but I did look it up. It's about a half a bushel, or about 30 to 50 pounds, which was enough food for over a week for Ruth and Naomi. Think of it like of a 40-pound dog pound uh, bag of dog food. That's about how much it was. This was way more than Ruth ever expected. And I love what it says in the New Testament when Paul writes in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him, that is God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works with us, to him be the glory. Listen, that's the way God is. That's the way God works when we come to him by faith. He will graciously satisfy you beyond your expectations. So the first thing we see here when we come to the Lord's table is that we will enjoy God's abundant grace. The Lord will graciously accept you as a member of his family and the Lord will graciously satisfy you beyond your expectations. So how then do you think we should respond when we experience such abundant grace? Well, we should respond like Naomi did. We should express our grateful praise, number two. We should express our grateful praise. Now, not surprisingly, all this grain that Ruth brought home caused a firestorm of conversation and praise. Look again what it says in verses 18 and 19. And she... That is, Ruth took it up, that is what she had gleaned, and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today, and where have you worked? In other words, Naomi is stunned by all this food that Ruth is bringing home, and is basically asking, what happened, Ruth? And before Ruth can even get a word in edgewise, Naomi shouts out in verse 19, Blessed be that man who took notice of you. And then 19 continues. And so she, that is Ruth, told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Verse 20, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Wow! Is this the same mother-in-law that we're talking about here? Last time we met Naomi, man, she was sharing her bitterness with all the other women in Bethlehem. And she was blaming God for her sorrow and grief. But now we hear a new song in Naomi's heart. She breaks out with this grateful praise of Boaz and the Lord. What a change that has taken place in this grieving widow's soul. 
Listen, her words are different. Her whole attitude is different. Everything about her is different. Naomi has moved from bitterness to blessedness, from saying that the hand of the Lord is against me to now saying that the hand of the Lord is with me. So what made the difference for Naomi? Well, we could say that she has been changed by God's goodness and grace. And as a result... Naomi can't help now but to just sporadically and suddenly just burst forth with praise. Look at it. The grateful praise that she expresses here. Number one, and it's the praise we ought to express when we enjoy God's abundant grace as well. First of all, we need to celebrate the goodness of God. Celebrate the goodness of God in our lives. Now, remember... At this moment in the story, Naomi has no idea who owns the field that produced all this bounty of food that Ruth has brought home. Even so, she offers a prayer, a blessing for this man without knowing who he is yet. And with this celebration of God's goodness, she moves from bitterness to blessing. Already we see what God's grace is doing in Naomi's heart. It is starting to heal her hurting heart. Just think, in one poor home in Bethlehem, there is now great rejoicing going on over the goodness of God. Oh, that we would learn to see God's hand at work, even in our own lives. And when we do, listen, we will never lack a reason to celebrate God's goodness. Number two, we ought to be celebrating the grace of God at work. Celebrate the goodness of God, but also celebrate the grace of God. Look what it says here in verse 20. And Naomi says this, May he, that is Boaz, be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Now, maybe circle or underline that word kindness. Now, that word kindness, it comes from a Hebrew word in the Old Testament that is, is used over 2,000 times all throughout the Old Testament. And it's a, it's a rather difficult word to translate because it encompasses uh, the ideas of love and kindness and loyalty and grace and mercy. And so many translators and Bible commentaries simply use the word loving kindness or, or steadfast love to describe this about God's love, his kindness for us. Uh, it's also kind of the same idea in the New Testament for the word grace. And so you got loving kindness and grace, and they're somewhat uh, interchangeable here in how they're used. And it's, it's all encompassing the same thing. In fact, this is really the key verse here in chapter 2. In Naomi, she immediately recognizes all this. She recognizes, first of all, the name of Boaz. And for the first time in, her, in the book here, she praises the Lord in response to his kindness. Now, there is also a little bit of ambiguity in this specific verse concerning who has shown the kindness to Ruth and Naomi. Is it the Lord or is it Boaz? And my answer would simply be yes. God has shown loving kindness to Naomi and Ruth, but he has done so through Boaz. 
who is a close relative and a kinsman redeemer. A what? Kinsman redeemer. What is that? Well, we'll answer that question in the coming weeks. It's an important concept to understanding the book of Ruth as we go forward in it. But for now, just know that in grace, God is working and he's doing something. He is raising up a person who will actually solve the difficulties that Naomi and Ruth are facing. Now, again, remember, at this specific moment in the story, though, Naomi has no idea how Boaz will actually do that. How he will fulfill the role of a kinsman redeemer in their lives. All they know at this point is that by divine coincidence, Ruth just so happened to glean in Boaz's field, just so happened to meet Boaz, who is the right man in the right place at the right time. In other words, that morning when Ruth woke up, she had no idea what was about to happen. But God did. And Naomi, who not so long ago wanted to be called Mara or bitter, now sees the hand of God at work in leading Ruth to the field of Boaz. In his grace, God is moving in Ruth and Naomi. Do what? They celebrate. They first celebrate the goodness of God, and then they celebrate the grace of God, the loving kindness that is shown to them. But they also, number three, they celebrate the guidance of God. Our passage here ends with three signs of God's guidance. If you can imagine this, out of all the massive details that happen on this particular day, we can actually trace God's fingerprints in the seemingly random events of their lives. First of all, God guided Ruth to a place of peace in her life. We see this in verse 24. It says, And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides he, that is Boaz, said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. Notice again, what is Ruth called? Ruth the Moabite. But we already know that she is from Moab. So why mention it again? Because we need to remember what foreigners, strangers, aliens always know. You're not from around here, are you? You see, not a day passed without someone probably remarking on Ruth's background. Every day she was reminded she was not Jewish, which meant she was outside of the covenant. She was therefore a stranger to the promises of God. And that would be true except for a man named Boaz, who invited Ruth to dine at his table with his workers. And that's the gospel in action even before Christ came. God guided Ruth to a place of peace at Boaz's table, even though she is a Moabite. Listen, that's what God does for us. He guides us. He lures us in with his grace and his mercy and invites us to dine with him so that we can experience peace in our lives. Man, when you watch the TV and you see all these riots and the injustice going on and all the unrest 
it is a, at the core, it is a spiritual issue in the heart. Because as a humanity, we are without peace. We are in conflict with our sin. And until Jesus comes in and does a work, there is no peace either in the heart or even in our world. But Jesus offers that to us when we come to his table by faith. God guided Ruth to a place of protection. In verse 22, it says, And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young men, lest in another field you be assaulted. See, in any other field, young men might assault Ruth, seeking to take advantage of her because she was a young widow from another country. By staying in Boaz's field, though, Ruth would be what? Protected. In Boaz would keep an eye on her to ensure her protection. And then we also see that God guided Ruth to a place of provision in verse 23, where it says, So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, the barley and wheat harvest. The barley harvest began in April. The wheat harvest ended in June. And this meant Ruth would be working in the fields anywhere from about 9 to 12 months. In other words, as long as our stay-at-home orders and lockdown. About three months. This meant she and Naomi would not go hungry. In other words, God has now provided a home and food for this young widow from Moab. Ruth is safe and secure in Bethlehem. Why? All because of God's goodness and grace and guidance in their lives. By the time we get to the end of chapter 2, Naomi finally begins to see it. The lights begin to turn off and she begins to connect the dots. And she begins to see God's grace at work in her life through Boaz. And it changes her whole life. It changes her perspective. She recognizes that contrary to what she thought earlier, when her heart was filled with such disappointment and bitterness, the Lord had not stopped showing his loving kindness to her and Ruth. No wonder these two widows celebrated and praised God. They have seen God's goodness and grace and guidance at work in their lives. Let me ask you, do you have any reason to praise the Lord today? Yes. You may be wondering, I do? Yes. Yes. Jarvis James once said, if you have a pulse, you ought to have a praise. And he's right. Are you breathing? Listen, Psalm fifteen six says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Is your heart beating? then let it beat to the praise of the Lord who has not forgotten you. And we as Christ followers, we who have been redeemed, we more than anybody else, we have reason to praise God. We have something to sing about. Although it is true, Naomi had her share of heartache and tears. There's no doubt about it. She lost a a husband. She's a widow. She lost two sons. But there is now joy in her heart nonetheless. Her life has been so changed by the grace of God, she couldn't help but shout with grateful praise. Listen, 
God calls you by His grace, and He sometimes whispers through your pain. My child, I have not forgotten you. So how will you respond? What will you say to the Lord's invitation to come to His table? You know, in many, many ways, what we see here in chapter 2, we really could call it this way. It is the gospel according to Boaz. The gospel according to Boaz. And what I mean by that is, is what we see through this picture, this story here, is that God welcomes anyone, anyone who comes to Him with sincere faith. Whatever we need, we find in Jesus Christ, who is the greater Boaz. There is a Savior who died for you. And so come to Him. Listen, He will not turn you away regardless of your background, regardless how of the sins you have committed, regardless of who you are and what you've done. If you will come to the Lord in faith, you will not be turned away. He is the bread of life. And so come to the table. Eat and drink and be made full in Jesus Christ today. Will you bow your heads with me? And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and grace. We confess we don't always understand your ways and what you are doing. And so help us to trust you. Help us to respond even now. Wherever people are scattered throughout the Northland of Kansas City, wherever they may be watching even across the country, perhaps even around the world, Lord, right where they're watching, may they respond to your invitation with faith. Help us to see what we have in Jesus Christ. Help us to see that we have a place at the table through faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, I just want to say a great big thanks to those of you, especially to our LifeBridge family, for your faithful generosity and your continued giving to our church. Your giving really does make a difference. It allows our church to continue our mission to bridge the gap with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we believe the gospel is the hope of the world. It is what makes a difference in our own lives. It's what makes a difference in everyone's life. And so by your generous giving, and many of you have been giving online, which during this pandemic and not being able to meet in person uh, is the easiest way to give. And maybe you have yet, you know, you haven't yet tried online giving. Let me encourage you to uh, check it out. It's safe and secure, and it's an easy way to give on a regular basis or even just a one-time gift. And so to the LifeBridge family, as your pastor, I can't say thank you enough. Uh, for your faithful generosity, your continued giving Sunday after Sunday, and just allowing our church to continue our mission and ministries here at LifeBridge. And so I say thank you to that. Uh, To those of you that may be in need, uh, listen, we want to help you. Uh, If you're in any kind of food assistance need or financial assistance, let us know. Reach out to our church office. Uh, We have a benevolence ministry that is funded in which we are more than willing. We want to help you. We want you to know we're still here to serve you. And so if we can help you, uh, just reach out to our church office. And uh, I want to encourage you, obviously, to join us again next Sunday. 
it'll, it will be our, our last Sunday in this kind of format uh, because the following Sunday, June 14th, we'll be gathering in person. And uh, that doesn't mean our online uh, option or alternative will stop. We will still continue that for those who are unable or don't quite feel ready yet to gather in person. And we'll be live streaming the 11 a.m. worship service beginning uh, June 14th. But next Sunday, we'll still be going at 1045 uh, with this Facebook live stream. And I hope you'll join me once again. Until then, let me encourage you to stay strong in the Lord and God bless.